Hi, I'm Lawrence. And I'm Karen Tam, and we are the co-hosts of Inside the Champion's Mind. I'm super excited. Are we going shopping? No, not really. We are going to be in Melbourne, though. For shopping? No, we're not going to be shopping. We're going to be at the Wellness Summit, September 10th and 11th at the Melbourne Convention Center. That's pretty exciting. It is exciting because it's your first time going to be there. It is. And along with a whole bunch of other people, too. But even though, whether they're your first time or your second time or third time, you definitely want to come out because it's the last time we're going to do it in Melbourne. That's awesome. So you can still register. You can still register. Get in. There's also going to be myself, Damien, Brett, and along with Upper the Chat Girls, Marcus Pierce, Joe Witten, Kale Brock, Steph Loeb, the Mary Make Sister, and Tim Robards. So to register, can they save any money? Yes, they can. And I like saving money. Yes, so you can go shopping. Go shopping. There we go. (laughs) So to register and receive $100 off your ticket, go to thewellnesssummit.com and enter the code FIRSTSUMMIT16. That's FIRSTSUMMIT16. Go to thewellnesssummit.com. We'll see you there. Shopping. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. We've always taken mums the word to mean keeping things to ourselves. Well, this is no longer the case as we provide mums with the natural, honest, and reliable resources they need from experts and other mums to keep their families happy, healthy, and safe. Be prepared to use your passion for parenting to empower yourself with the knowledge of choice. Welcome to Mums the Word with your host, mum and chiropractor, Kaz Jaff. Mums the Word listeners, it's Kaz Jaff here and thanks again for tuning in this week to our podcast. We are discussing a fantastic topic close to my heart, honouring mothers in birth and I couldn't think of a more experienced and um, uh, qualified guest to be discussing this topic. Maha Al Musa is a leading light in the birth world as a spiritual birth visionary and both birth activist. She has more than 20 years experience working with pregnant and birthing women and is the creator and founder of Embody Birth. Belly Dance Birth, the Al Musa Method, which has also been described as the mindful movement to awaken birth wisdom since 1997. Maha was the winner of the 2011 One World National Birth Hero Award, is a breastfeeding advocate, a doula, a mother of three, and birth consultant for both pregnant women and birth professionals. She offers her inspiring somatic teacher training worldwide that honors the language of the feminine. I'm very excited to introduce you to Maha and enjoy the episode. Hey Maha, so happy to have you on the show today. Thanks for being with us. Please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Kaz. Lovely to be on your show. And um, well, I'm my name is Maha Al Musa, and I'm the founder of Embody Birth, which was formerly Belly Dance for Birth since 1997. And I'm a mum of three kids who are now seven, sixteen, and nineteen. And they were all as nature intended births. And the last, my daughter, was at the age of 46. I had a beautiful home water birth with her and a natural conception. And I'm also an author. I've written a beautiful world first award winning book, Dance of the Womb, which is all about the gentle aspects of belly dancing as a birth preparation. And I also made a DVD as a follow-up after I wrote that book, which came out in 2008 when I was pregnant with my daughter. And I made a beautiful DVD as a follow-on to my book. So all of the movements that are in the book are now on DVD. And you can see me going through all of the beautiful belly dance birth movements and somatic processes for birth. 
And also my home birth film is on that DVD. So it was very beautiful to make that because many women watch these DVDs of pregnant women, you know, doing birthing preparation and often wonder what happened with her birth after doing the prenatal yoga or mindful meditative meditation and movement, etc. So it was really nice to have that follow through so people could actually see me giving birth at home once they'd seen me doing this preparation using the belly dance so it's a very beautiful dvd and it's been used all over the world for childbirth education and bought by doulas and midwives and doctors and it came out in 2009 so it's been out for seven years now and still people really love it because the way i created the dvd was in a very gentle very special way of really honoring the pregnant time where we need patience We need to really tune in with our bodies and our babies. We need to be in that meditative kind of space. We need to slow down. We need to be present. We need to engage with our baby. And that's the way in which I created the DVD. So women could really relax their nervous system and come into their bodies with these beautiful instinctive movements and follow me through in a very gentle and easy kind of way where you didn't need any or you don't need any dance experience as such because it's tapping into the natural rhythms within your own body as a mother with her baby. So I'm also of Middle Eastern background, so I'm of Palestinian Lebanese origin and I was born in Kuwait and I came to Australia when I was a two-year-old. I was actually taken from my mother as a baby by my dad when I was six months of age, and I didn't meet my mum until I was 33 for the first time. So the book, my book, Dance of the Womb, tells the story of my life as I see it through the shapes of the belly dance birth movements. So it's not just a technical book on movements. It's a book about the movements of my life. How does my life relate to my journey as a woman? How does it relate to my fertility? How does it relate to my pregnancy journey and my mothering journey? So when we look at our lives from a holistic viewpoint on this rite of passage journey, that is pregnancy and mothering, we can see the choices that we made, why we made these choices, how we give birth, how we are mothers. So it's a sort of self-inquiry into this rite of passage journey. And that's how I wanted the book to be. I wanted it to be a book that other women could read and then think about and engage with their own life experience and journey of mothering and really look at how am I unique? What is my personal story? What are the choices that I've made and why? So it's a very heartfelt, rich book and it's been you know, quoted as being a treasure in the birthing world. And I think because I incorporated all of that personal aspect of my life, made it a book about the heart of woman, the heart of mothering, rather than just sort of dry statistics and numbers and graphs and that sort of a thing. That's not who I am. I'm very much a heart person. So that's how I I teach and I share in a real life perspective. And I think that's what I often feel is missing in childbirth education as such, is really the heart aspect of engaging with a woman from that kind of a place. So my Middle Eastern roots have really enriched who I am. I used to be very embarrassed about being of Arab origin, 
growing up in Australia and all the terrible things that are often said about people of Middle Eastern origin. And now I feel very, very proud that I've been able to carry especially my Palestinian roots in the work that I do. And as far as I know, I'm one of the only you know, international birth educators of Palestinian origin. I'm very proud of that, to carry my culture in my work and share that to all women as a universal message of love and peace in birth and honouring women for birth. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's so there's so much you've already just said. I, I, I you know, really, it's uh, an amazing journey that you've had. What what I really want you to be able to share with listeners today, and we've discussed a little bit before, is is um, really the work that you're doing these days. And um, well, you've been in birth for so long. I mean, you have such a journey, but. Um, you know, you've got such experience now, not only in your own mothering, but also just in what you teach. So I'd love if you could um, go further in depth what we discussed in the, in honouring the mother and, and the child in, in birth. Well, that's the premise of my work, is that you cannot, I believe, teach childbirth education unless we place the mother and the baby at the centre of the experience as the experts. And this is what I've taught for 20 years is the mother and the baby know one another and they know birth and the intelligence of the mother and baby dance together in pregnancy and birth. The nine months that we have is a time to get to know yourself and your baby. Your baby is a sentient, alive, living, feeling being. And when we can engage with our baby during this nine months, we get to hear and listen to what our baby is also telling us, as well as our own dialogue and our own story and our own choices. The baby dances with the mother. And so when we externalise birth and we put birth on the outside of ourselves as mothers, we're not hearing that language between the mother and the baby that will give you a lot of clues as to the kind of choices to make when you are on the journey of birthing. So it's really important for me in my childbirth education program that I put birth back into the hands, hearts, wombs of women with their baby. And the way that I did this, you know, from 20 years ago was from teaching belly dance birth classes. And it's a beautiful way for women to connect with their baby using these mindful, feminine, grounded movements using the shapes of the circle, the spiral, shapes of nature that are within our own womb and our own bodies and the mystical codes of the feminine reside within every woman with her baby. So coming to understand how we interplay with the body in pregnancy and birth is what I teach. We are moving into the physical, the emotional, the energetic and the spiritual body for birth. Four bodies are engaging, and then those four bodies are engaging with life force energy, our sexual energy, and our birthing energy. So there's many things at play, as well as where we are at in our own life journey as women, and then what is our baby telling us. So there's a lot going on that we have to integrate and process and connect to whilst we're pregnant. And what I'm seeing today and why I'm getting more and more passionate about this putting mother and baby at the centre as the experts is that I'm seeing in this modern day a lot of external information that is saturating around a mother 
and she can't hear her body speak anymore. She can't hear her baby speaking. And then this voice that's speaking to her is muffled, which creates confusion, distraction, and a severance from her instincts. And so more and more now I'm talking about mothers tapping into their own instincts, their own expression, their own voice, their own wisdom. And I now do a program that was Belly Dance for Birth, but now I've expanded that into Embody Birth. So that's now the teacher training that I teach. Using the Belly Dance Birth Principles to engage with the body and somatic practices and processes to expand the language of the feminine for birth. So this childbirth education is, again, as I said before, putting the mother and baby at the centre. So you are self-referenced and you are autonomous. That is the premise upon which my education is spiralling out from. So this places the mother and baby in a place of love, not fear states. When I know that I have everything within me as a starting point, that doesn't mean that things are not going to happen that are outside of myself that I maybe can't control or manage, but it means that I start in a place where I am autonomous, that I know my body, I know my baby. And then if I need to ask for advice, I need help, I need to Google, I need to read books, I need to watch DVDs, I come from that self-reference place and expand out into the world. Rather than all the information is out there and I've got to decipher that to get back to myself and my instincts. And that's what I love about my childbirth education program because when a mother feels confident and strong capable and able, then the journey of pregnancy and birth looks very, very different. Two, I am in fear and I'm traumatized from the experience I haven't even had yet, which is often first time mothers. They're already layered with a lot of fear. And so they've got to unpeel and, and go through these layers of fear that aren't even their own their stories they've heard or their society's prejudices around birth or there's vested interests or there's power over. So for me, it's really important to start with that inner strength and then to spiral out like those belly dance birth movements to spiral out and have it coming from that self-reference place of I know the intelligence of my body and I know the intelligence of my baby. And together we are dancing the dance of pregnancy birth. And that's what gives me strength to step into mothering as well. There's so much advice out on the outside. There's so much to absorb and read and think about. And it gets overwhelming. So the childbirth education program of this mindful movement to awaken birth wisdom is a feminine-based childbirth education. And what I want to reiterate to your listeners is that everything you need is within you. It's really important to know that. You were able to conceive a baby and grow a baby. And so your body, the intelligence of your body, knows how to birth this baby. It's really important to really 
get that. And then if you are doing any childbirth preparation program, that the premise of that childbirth education comes from that place that is putting you and your baby at the centre. It's really, really important. And, you know, I had my last baby, my daughter, a home birth, water birth, lotus birth, and I was 46 years of age. Now, in regards to the medical world, when I went to see a doctor for my blood tests, he actually wrote that I was a geriatric. Now, I found... Now, this is we have to be very careful of the language that we use when we're in this vulnerable place, which is walking through pregnancy into birthing, into mothering. We're very vulnerable, especially when we are doing it the first time. We don't really know. It's a mystery. And that aspect of birthing and the rite of passage journey is often not taken into consideration. There is a mysterious process that we are on. We are, we're in a mystery, which I call my story. So the language that's used, the stark, cold, clinical, sterile language that is used in birthing, for example, calling me a geriatric, is to make me feel powerless, to put me down. But being the strong woman that I am, I didn't allow that to affect me. And, you know, this doctor also said, you're 46, something could go wrong. You better book into the hospital. And I turned to him and I looked him in the eyes and I said to him, thank you for your concern, doctor, but how about this for an idea? What about if everything goes right? How about we start with that premise? I'm starting at the top of the ladder and I'm climbing higher. I'm not starting at the bottom and trying to scratch my way up. So I said, be very careful about the language that you use. And he sort of just mumbled and I just stood up and walked out. Now, as I said, being the strong, confident woman I am, and it was my third child, second home birth, you know, I had the strength and it made me realise, you know, some women would feel devastated by being called that kind of a a, a name or a label. We've got too many labels. And if we can take off our labels, you know, I'm a midwife, I'm a doctor, I'm the obstetrician, how about we meet in I am a person with a heart. I honour you, I have dignity and respect for you. You are a powerful, strong, wise, beautiful woman stepping into this incredible journey of bringing a baby, a life, a human being into this world. I honour and respect what you are doing. But what we have often is a language that diminishes and demoralises women. And so we start on this step. This is how we step into birth, from this place of feeling less than. And I will, to the day I die, keep teaching women to really come back to themselves and their strength and to honour that, to really honour that knowing and not be bullied and not be pushed around and to follow your instincts because that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing the severing of mother's instincts. The other thing I talk about as well is I say when I teach my teacher training, you know, my embodied birth training, and I say, how can you take a feminine rite of passage such as birth and place her in a masculine hierarchy called a system and expect her body to open? Tell me, how does that work? 
The feminine requires fluidity, flow, a sense of humbleness, mystery, patience, love, compassion in birthing. And then we place that woman into a hierarchy which has someone at the top and everything gets filtered down from that one person at the top and then, you know, the next person subordinate, subordinate, subordinate. And then we expect her body to open. In a hierarchy, you have someone at the top who has the power and that, as I just said, filters down. And for me, I see it doesn't give women, you know, time. It doesn't give women patience. It doesn't give women a sense of allowance. Now, you know, when we give birth, excuse me, what is happening is those four bodies that I spoke of before, the emotional, the physical, the energetic and spiritual bodies are all playing together. And something as small as a smell or a person's look in the room can change the navigation of the birth journey whilst you're in labor. So oftentimes it's a very it can be a very subtle thing that can change the course or the map of birth and the labor can stop. This happened to me in my birth at home. It wasn't somebody in the room, it was actually into my world when I was giving birth to my daughter at home. And what that caused me to do was go deep into some holdings that I had in my body, some traumas and wounding that I had from 40 years ago, which I didn't even realise were affecting me so deeply in my life. And during the birth, my labour stopped. And this emotional grief welled up in my body and I could feel the energy of that grief making its way from my womb and through my body and this memory was triggered and it was related to my father and I had never gone that deep before and then my labor stopped, my contractions as I call them expansions stopped and suddenly I was just crying and crying and crying and I felt the terror and I felt, you know, the trauma and I felt the deep sadness and I felt all of these emotions. And because I was at home in my own space with people who loved me around me, who understood the deeper spiritual nature of birthing, they were able to stand and hold that space with me without prodding me or asking me questions or, you know, trying to change the course of the feeling that I was feeling. And I excavated deeply and I released this old memory, this old holding that was in the cellular memory of my body. And I was able time to process and integrate that moment or that period of time. I can't even remember how long it was. Um, And, you know, I cried and cried and cried and then I felt strong again. I felt it pass and then my labour came on very, very strong again. So what I understood, and I talk about this in my training, is, and it's a term that I coined, self-generated healing in birth. When we provide spaces and environments for women to walk this path of self-inquiry 
and the body opens, the emotional, the spiritual, the energetic, the physical body opens, we have an opportunity to heal through birth. We have an opportunity to feel who we are with our babies on this journey for all of humanity. That is the highest potential that birth can give us. It can help this planet raise the level of love consciousness through how women give birth. And her birth, it was like a a bingo moment for me. It was like, my goodness, wow, birth is an opportunity for healing. When we honour this space between mother and baby and truly understand it, not from a medical perspective as such, but from a heartfelt emotional understanding of what a woman, this amazing gift that a woman has to bring a soul, a person, a, you know, a new life into the world. Imagine, and this is how I felt after I'd given birth to Amina, imagine if every woman had that opportunity that I had doesn't necessarily mean she'll might she'll go there, but if we could understand and look at lens through at birth through this lens of opportunity and raising consciousness on the planet, how different might the world look? And I saw it so clearly, Kaz. I saw where peace, harmony, love could flood this planet and flood humanity. And you know. The nervous system that most people are walking around with from their birth is a traumatic one. There aren't, you know, a lot of people or women or babies who've had the experiences that I've had through birth. And I'm not saying this is in an egoic kind of a way. It's more of a revelation as to what birth could give us, how we could honour this process of birth and you know, that really changed me. It, when you asked me, what am I teaching now? It changed the direction of how I teach. I teach now from this fountain of love for birth, this fountain that birth is a human rights issue for mother, baby, and for all of us. What is the potential of birth for humanity? And that's what I'm interested in now okay. from the experience. I had that gift. I think we've discussed it before on the podcast that there's almost like a crossroads between life and death at that birthing moment. And and I think that's what you're kind of touching on. It's hard to put a, a feeling on it because it's not something we've had very many times in our life if we've had it and to put it, you know, in its place. But there is really a crossroads of almost touching an essence, isn't it? There's there's a there's a godliness there, whatever you believe God to be, there's a there's a higher there's a higher power there um happening. And of course you know, I felt it. I was, you know, as listeners know, happy, you know, very happily had my home births, um, two water births at home as well. And it's not for nothing that you're out there speaking like you do. And like, I do these podcasts for that reason, because you want people to be able to experience that, that, um, almost that purity and that, um, well, it's, it is a love. I know there's a light, there's, there's an essence, there's not a word to put on it. And, and I can imagine that, um, yeah, once you've had that revelation, your teaching just completely changes. Do, do, I think it's. I think what's challenging these days is why you said all that noise in the marketplace is that the generation that is, you know, the younger generation that is birthing these days, and obviously, 
Um, you know, there's a wide expanse of ages having babies, but they're very quick fix. They're very, you know, um, short-term gratification. You know, this is the Twitter generation that wants to communicate or the Facebook generation in a status update and trying to get this across. I mean, I can imagine it's a challenge for you. Well, it is a challenge. And, and as I've always said, there's probably about 5% of women on this planet who have experienced the holiness of birth running through their veins, through birthing, what you're talking about, the purity and the love. And But what I saw was not just an experience for me personally as a woman giving birth and my child. It was more on a universal level of what birth could do for us as humanity. And that's what struck me about the experience that I had the third time. I'd had it in the first and second births, but there was a big nine and 12-year gap. I was 46 years of age, which is a very unusual age for a woman to have a home birth, you know. So I was sort of almost walking into the menopausal stage of life and then being flung back into the mother. So I was at a very interesting stage in my life as well. And, I mean, just as a side, if you speak to the medical world you know a woman to be pregnant over 45 naturally they say is less than one percent which again I think is language that is diminishing because it depends on your health and well-being it's not for me a chronological age thing it's how well have I looked after my body so so all in all what we're lacking I think is birth education from women who've experienced a different way of giving birth like we have and and it's almost like if we speak about this kind of giving birth then we are almost put as though you know you, you've got a high ego you know you're you're not being truthful about birth but it's truthful from how i speak it is the voice of me and my experience and that doesn't diminish anybody else if you have a cesarean or you, you have IVF or you have whatever birth you have, we are all part of the collective of the feminine. There is no better than or worse than or competition. And that's going back to what I was talking about before, about hierarchy. The medical system creates a hierarchy and women are buying into that hierarchy. My work is all about the collective sacred sisterhood of sharing all of our stories, we are equal. We equally deserve a voice, regardless of what that is. And I often say, you know, imagine if we had books that were available to us with all of these different ways of birthing, you know, and, and it's all applicable and it's all okay. There's no right, wrong, good, bad judgment upon it. So it's really important when I speak about the language of the feminine for, for, uh, for birth this is the way that I speak about birth and my experience. And then, you know, I don't know if you know, Kaz, but for the last four years, I've been in the worldwide media as a breastfeeding advocate. Yeah. You know, I was one of the first people to stand up with the woman, Jamie, on the Time magazine early on in 2012, before all the debacle about breastfeeding came up. And I tried to, you know, tell my story. I was 49, breastfeeding a three-and-a-half-year-old just saying, look, this is normal. This is this is the dance between mother and baby. This is another possibility. That's all we're saying in saying, this is what else is possible. If you're interested, let's open this door and come and take a look at what I'm sharing with you around pregnancy, birthing and mothering. I'm not saying that you've got to do what I'm doing. I'm just offering you an opportunity to look through a different lens and, and make a choice. 
What's happening for women is those choices are getting squeezed into less and less and less choice. You know, for to have a home birth, it's, it's becoming very, very difficult. Why? Why is that? So we need to go even deeper and to ask, why is this happening? What is the purpose of having power over women and babies in this rite of passage experience? Why are we shaving it down into a very, very small parameter and trying to squeeze everybody into that? In other words, why aren't we saying, yes, I want to hear your story? Yes, share your story. We are all valuable. All of our voices are valuable and need to be heard. Yeah. Well, I know you're going to have many and it's going to be hard to choose one, but I'd love to hear from you an affirmation or a quote um, as it relates to this. And as I said, if it's too hard to choose one, then maybe you wouldn't say two. (laughs) Well, the one that I use and, you know, it really encompasses all of my work is very, very, very simple and it is. The living book is within. Read her. (laughs) And sometimes we have a laugh in my my, um, embodied birth classes with pregnant women. For the modern day women, we say the living Google is within. Read her. (laughs) So, you know, that's it. The thing is to start from that place. It's not saying to be arrogant and, you know, I know everything and, and nothing's going to, you know, unfold or go wrong or, or, or be perfect. It's not. Birth is not a perfect journey. It's perfect for each one of us. But this judgment on, on it is it's a place of self-inquiry into my story, my mystery, with my baby, my partner, my family, my community. And until we start hearing the truth around birth from women like myself, we're going to only get a one-dimensional view of how it looks. And I am about a 360-degree vision without judgment, with an open-heartedness. That's how I teach. Yeah, yeah. Well, what we love to do on this podcast is, is you know, obviously be a community and, and share mums and no matter where they are in the world that, you know, we've all got similar concerns and struggles. And and really, like you said, we're all in this together. So from that, I always ask the guests to share a time that maybe was not so easy where they struggled, whether it was personally or professionally. And, and what did you learn and, and what was the result? Could you share something that was maybe not so easy for you? Um, as in terms of babies, babyhood, for me, I struggled with sleep deprivation I always go back to that because that was an area that I found very, very difficult getting my children to sleep. And I think it came from an anxiety around being taken from my mother at six months of age. I've had to, you know, walk this path of mothering without a mother. And that I struggled with as well. And I think, you know, it all sort of, once you look back, as I look back in retrospect, I can connect the dots of my own personal journey with my children, especially when they were babies, I had times where I really had to tap into my instinct because I didn't have the reference of the mother externally, I guess I'm saying. So I saw a lot of struggle for me, especially with my first son when he was a baby, integrating and processing. And when people used to say, there's your mum, Maha, there's your, you know, to my son, there's your mum. And I used to think, oh, my God, he's talking about, they're talking about me. I found that quite challenging, that I had stood in the status of becoming a mother when I'd been taken from my mum. So that was my particular story. Um, 
another, just professionally, not so much a struggle, but it's been interesting that I've been teaching movement for birth for a very, very long time, 20 years in fact. And, you know, I saw a video going around Facebook it was only a couple of months ago of a woman dancing in labor and everybody was, there was a million views and everybody was commenting. And I thought, wow, I've been teaching that for 20 years. Isn't it interesting that, you know, suddenly it's, and I didn't want it to be a fad, like a laughable kind of fad thing, because I take my professional work very, very seriously. And it was a woman dancing in a labor ward and it was almost a, on a humorous level. And I was a bit challenged by that because of, sort of looked like they were being um, sensationalizing, you know, dancing in birth. And I felt, you know, I have a very deep way of talking about this as a holistic childbirth education to embody birth through dance and movement. So that sort of challenged me a little bit seeing that and, um, you know, that getting yourself out there, I guess, as a professional. And because my work is swimming in the deep ocean, not the shallow waters, sometimes it's been challenging for me to get my work out there because I speak very deeply about birth and I see that it's still sometimes on a superficial level and I feel I've passed all of that and I want to really engage women from this spiritual aspect of what birth could be. So, yeah, yeah sometimes, but I keep going. I do keep going and um, I'm excited because um, I'm being given some amazing opportunities coming up in the future. Do you find that you tend to have more... Um, second time mums are attracted to your work or people um, maybe who have been around birth a little bit longer or yes yeah I think I think there are women calling out and wanting to know there's got to be more than what I'm being told you know I think women are seeking this and that's the beauty of the internet too that everything is available now as well as looking at childbirth through this lens of, you know, a spiritual rite of passage journey. So I, the thing for me is I haven't changed who I am. A lot of people have sort of said when I write articles, I just had an article published in the Elephant Journal last month. And, you know, sometimes people say, can you, can you speak in a more pedestrian kind of a way to reach the mainstream? And actually, I can't, I can only be me, because I can't change who I am. But I have an amazing following of women that understand what I'm speaking about and really want to train and be able to spread this embodied birth kind of childbirth education from this deeper place. So that's exciting and that's a wonderful thing. And I'm now wanting to speak more, you know, in hospitals and to, to doctors and obstetricians. I'd love to be able to educate them on this as well, if I can get into that arena. And I've been invited to come and speak at the Human Rights in Childbirth Conference in Mumbai, India in February next year. And that is a place I want to also immerse myself into. You know, human rights in childbirth for mothers and babies is an area I'm very passionate about. So I feel very honoured that I've been asked to come and speak there. And I think that will be a great platform for the way that I do view birth and I do view humanity and what we can do through birth to raise consciousness so I'm very excited about that I can imagine also just your path what you said about your childhood and being taken by your father and it, it definitely must resonate for you you know human rights in general and um, of, of course if birth is your passion and that's your gift to the world it, it just resonates beautifully so that that's very I can imagine very exciting for you what is it that drives you and gets you up in the morning to do what you do because I mean you you are a mum of three you've got 
uh, older kids now and uh, you're still really, really active in the birth world and, you know, in lots of different media um, uh, avenues as well, um, print and and uh, and on screen. So what is it that gets you um, to do what you do? You know what it is simply? Is the telling and sharing of my truth to the world. That's what gets me up in the morning and it's a, it's spirit. Spirit drives me to keep sharing the truth that I know, that I want women to hear and I want to make available to the world. And, you know, I have been doing, as I said, this work for 20 years. Every time that I think there's an obstacle up ahead, something just moves out of the way and something happens to clear my path. And I go, thank you, there's the sign again. And I just keep getting those signs to keep going, just to keep going in spreading the truth that I know to be true. And it's a very deep knowing. And I've carried it for a very long time and actually probably from when I was a six-month-old baby. I am very, very passionate about justice. That's the area that I speak up about the truth and us and justice for all of mankind, all of humanity. That's what keeps me going. Yeah. And it's not for money. It's not for acclaim. It's not for ego. It's not for fame. It is because I truly believe in my heart of hearts that that is why I was brought to the world yeah. to speak this truth yeah. in birth. Yeah. It's really you between you and you, basically. Yeah. 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 And, um, well, if you could go back in time – and tell your younger pregnant self the first time or or maybe even uh, mums these days that are pregnant, what is it that you would share with them? What do they need to know? What is it? Sleep when the baby sleeps. <laughs> <laughs> Don't wake up a sleeping oh, baby. That's a good one. That's a good <laughs> one. That's such a confusing one for people still with their times and their routines. Don't wake a sleeping baby. That's right. And it is. It's always, you know, you get all of this advice. And the thing that's coming up in your awareness as being the truth about you and your baby, follow that, follow that. Because I remember, you know, wanting, what do I do here? What do I do? What do I, and this little voice telling me, do this. And you know, the other thing, the other piece of advice is the more you try to get away from your baby or your child when they're crying or having a tantrum, the more you're trying to escape, the closer they're trying to get to you. And I learned this, you know, up to Amina, my third child, was if I just take the time, I don't need to be anywhere else but heart to heart with her. Breathe, relax into it, and just be present with her. And that helps to dissipate. Love is always the answer. And I know in this fast-paced world it's not easy. It's not easy to just give of yourself that extra five or ten minutes to calm your child down will save you the next five hours of, you know, of them oh, trying to get to this you. Is, this is something that happened with my toddler even just this morning, you know, and, yeah. and I agree with you. They need they need to feel you and, you know, yes. we've got some mantras, mummy, I need you, mummy, uh, mummy, I want you, mummy, this, and, and that's really what he's saying and that's really what he wants and, you know, mummy, mm -hmm. carry me or lift me or they just want to be close to you, don't they? Do they're always looking for relationship, and that's from the moment they're born. The baby is hardwired to find the mother's eyes, her breath, and her heartbeat. That's what we're wired for. 
for our neurological imprint of what love looks and feels like. And that's a whole other topic mm. about baby in utero. And continues on. Even my children, uh, you know, my boys are 16 and 19, still looking for connection. And can I recognize that? You know, so that's what we are. We are mammals. We want to belong. We want to be a part of a herd, a community, a tribe. And that's your baby will teach you that, definitely. I think you said it as well, that when, when you're trying to, like, go in a fast-paced day and they need you, 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 can't, you can't push against it. You've got to fall into it. You've got to lean into that's it. That's right. And that's usually they play up, isn't it, Kaz? Oh, yeah. that they know. They, they know that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so what's some of the best advice that you ever received because you've given some real bits of gold there? Really, the, you know, in those anxious times and, you know, really not being sure is from older mothers, you know, in my community, is just really go with the flow because we worry about so many things and now when I look back, you know, being my boys being older and my daughter nearly eight, and I can't remember half of what I was worried about. Yeah. So really, you know, what's so important now and what, what you know, she's got to wear this dress or you've got to eat that bowl of food, you know, that kind of thing. In the whole grand scheme of things, those things you won't remember in a sense. So so always just flowing and being guided by your child and your own instincts and, and you know, letting go, just letting go of having things to be so perfect and in a particular way, yeah. you know, in mothering, in parenting, because it's, a, it's an organic, ever-evolving experience. And, you know, there are some things I'm trying to remember back when my boys were little and I can't hardly remember. You know, I have to remember the house I was in or the car I drove, you know, the things that and, – and, and in saying that too is going with the flow but just being fully in the moment as well and knowing that we all stuff up. There is no perfect mother. It's just an illusion. It's all a learning and a growth and a transformation with our children. Yeah, no, I think every couple of days I find myself saying pick your battles as well. So like you say about yes. all of that and just let them wear whatever doesn't match and they'll, they'll be okay. Um, yes, relationship. Oh, okay, so that's an old, old. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, let mm. it go. That's true. Well, if you could share some invaluable resources for the listeners that have helped you in your journey, um, whether they be books or websites or anything else that you think would be great for them to tap into. Well, of course, my book and DVD, I would have to highly recommend <laughs> Dance of the Womb book and Dance of the Womb DVD. Mm -hmm. It's also a beautiful book that we have in the Embody Birth Training, The Secret Life of Babies by Mia Kalef okay. is a beautiful book. Yeah. Um, Windows to the Womb, David Chamberlain, is another beautiful book. This is more about babies in utero, but that can really change the way you look at the consciousness of a baby. They're beautiful books. Um, anything by Dr. Michelle O'Don, I love. Yeah. And any books by Sheila Kitzinger. Yeah. She has uh, many beautiful books. She actually put me in her book, Birth and Sex. So she had a whole chapter on the birth dance and and uh, information about my work in there and how much she'd learned from me. And that was a great honor to have her in my book. But um, anything, Spiritual Midwifery yeah. is one of my favorite books, of course, in a May Gaskin. Yeah. So I tend to sort of hold on to the older books, I guess, that, you know, influenced me. Yeah. 
But there's so many books and DVDs out there, definitely, um, including my own website. Yeah, no, so that was my next question is, is how, mm. how can people best get in touch with you and find out more about what you offer? So, yeah, we love the website, of course, but... Um, yes. The, maybe about the Well, website. everything... Yes, I've got everything. My old website was revised at the beginning of this year, so I was very happy to have everything under my name now. So www.maha, M-A-H-A, Al-A-L, Musa, M-U-S-A, dot com. So mahaalmusa.com. And on Facebook, I've got a public profile figure page, which is Maha Al Musa, Spiritual Birth Visionary. And my Embody Birth training program, I'm about to go to Japan and teach and lecture to midwives for the month of September. When I come back, I'll be doing a training, four-day face-to-face training with me to certify as an Embody Birth teacher, the Almusa method, which will be in October, the last four days of October this year in Melbourne. That will be hosted at Flutter by Beauty. Uh, with Michelle Peterson. She's an amazing woman. And um, then for next year, I just will be taking um, any interest for workshops or trainings next year. We are looking at Sydney, at the Sydney Pregnancy Centre, but haven't set a date yet. Anyone who wants to host or sponsor a training, please get in touch. Anyone who wants me to speak, I do a lot of interviews. I do a lot of speaking. There's some conferences, as I mentioned, next year. So I just see what the universe has in store for me. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit more in hospital settings as well. And I also do intuitive birth counselling via Skype under Maha Al Musa for pregnancy and birthing and relationships. Right. Well, there's lots there for people to um, to follow on from from this podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your energy and, and definitely for your wisdom and insight. And I've loved having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Kaz. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. Always wonderful to share. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, definitely. We'll keep sharing, please. (laughs) Okay, take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mums the Word. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and join us on our Facebook page to help us share the message to more mums all over the world. We look forward to having you join us again next time here on your trusted source for all mums everywhere, Mums the Word. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.